Welcome to Six Degrees Within YGK, a podcast where we get everyone within the YGK area where we talk about health, fitness, and overall balance of life. I'm your host, Bob Payne, owner of CrossFit Limestone, Limestone Athletics. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode with Six Degrees Within YGK today. We got Scott Frazier, one of the co-owners of K-Town Physio. Welcome, Scott. Thanks, Bob. Happy to be here. Yeah, um, so glad you're here too, man. Yeah, yeah. One of your guests recently said they were a big fan of podcasts, and I became one, and I've listened to yours, and it's been great. So um, just want to say off the, off the top here, happy to be here today, certainly on the first National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. And on behalf of Bob and I both, we remember the legacy of residential schools, those who survived them, and to declare that today and every day, every child matters. So thanks for having me. Yeah, no, that's a great little intro there, Scott. Thank you. So it's been a while since we have seen each other. Sure. I guess the last time we saw each other was just before the lockdown. Yeah, just for lockdown right here in the gym. Yeah, yeah. before you locked down and we locked down and uh, here we are again. So yeah. yeah, so we'll get into that later on as we get going here. But first, let's give a little background about yourself, how you got into becoming a physio and like your creation story. Sure. Okay. Um, Long story, funny story, I guess. I'll try and give the, the short version. But when I was in high school, I knew that I wanted to go and do some post-secondary school, but I really didn't know what I wanted to do at that point. Had some great teachers and great coaches and guidance counselors, and one of them, who was all three, just basically sat me down one day and said, you're pretty good at science, you're pretty good at math, and you're, and you're decent at sports, as my friends would tell you. So um, not, not outstanding, but decent. And they, he said, how about a phys ed degree? And you can maybe go on and teach. And I thought that sounded pretty good. So I ventured down, made my way to Queens University, took a phys ed degree there. And really about three years in realized that maybe I wasn't kind of in, on a teaching path, but I, I enjoyed, you know, the anatomy, the physiology, the athletic injuries, et cetera. So yeah, that's the long story short, applied for physiotherapy, got into three programs and ended up staying at Queens again for a few more years after that. And here we are. No, that's awesome. So when did you um, open up K-Town Physio? Like how long were you a physio before you jumped into? Yeah, finished my phys ed in 1991, aged myself here, uh, finished physiotherapy in 94. And I worked for 11 years before we opened up that clinic. So I worked at a couple of clinics in Belleville, um, my wife and I made our way up to Calgary, Alberta, and I worked at a great clinic there called the Downtown Sports Clinic, where I learned a heck of a lot, um, and then came back to Kingston. I was working at a clinic here, which is where I met my partner, Joy Ben, and, you know, we were working together, and, you know, as as people do that are working together, used to talk about maybe we'd work on our own, maybe we'd have our own shop, maybe we'd have our own business, maybe we'd partner up, and in 2005, October of 2005, so almost exactly 16 years ago, was when we opened the first location downtown that's still on King Street. Yeah, because you guys are both still got the original owners. Yep. Um, and on your website there, because you even have Judy. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Who's still there exactly. from the, yeah, day and one. I tell that story a lot, especially coming up on this uh, anniversary. When we first opened, it was Joy and I as co-owners. Judy, who was our um, receptionist at the time, she's now clinic manager. And we had another physio working for us. So we started with four, and now we're up at about, uh, I think we're at about 34 now. So, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Now, f- coming from with your physio background, like, and then you open up a business. Like one, cause I was talking on a podcast a couple, couple episodes back. I was talking with Trevor from Skeleton Park yeah. and him and I were kind of um, going on about, you open up, um, you start the business, 
with your passion, right? Because you started becoming a physio right. with your passion. I opened up the gym because I love coaching and all that. Then as time progresses, then you start getting more into the business side of things where you start looking at from like external viewpoint where you're like, you're working more like creating the business versus um, spending less time on the floor. Now, do you find that you have transition into that or are you still spending as much time on the floor? There, there's been a small transition. There was certainly, you know, within our first few years, it was, you know, see clients all day, every day, because we were starting out fresh and trying to see if we could make a go of this thing and probably spending very little time on the business. Um, you know, when I look back in retrospect, that's transitioned over the years for sure. And every so often we have that conversation about, how, you know, when are we going to scale back and see less of our clients and, you know, set, let some of our great staff take over. But there's that it's kind of twofold. There's a lot of people that we've seen in the past that will come in and want to come and see myself or Joy or any of our other physios who have been with us for a long time. And, you know, we just love doing it still. So right now I do about three days a week where I see clients still. And then I have another two days kind of dedicated to, you know, I have one day where I spend a lot of time on the business and another day just catching up on, you know, whether it be clients or, or things that need to be done at home. So yeah, about three days a week still with clients because it, it's tough to get away from it when you love doing it still. Yeah. yeah. And well, you don't want to burn out, right? Because right. that's one thing. Like, if you're always on the floor, then at the end of the day, you work the full day, then you got to go home, do all the men, do all the notes. Yeah. Um, even the going from the accounting side. Now, like, do you find that you have created a better life balance now with, um, like, being able to, like, okay, I work till this time, like, I work till five, I get to go home, not think about work? Or, do you still find that sometimes when you go home, you still got to catch up on some work things? Yeah, I mean, it is a better life balance. And like I said, we have some great people working for us and we deal with good accounting firms and we have our clinic manager who does a, a wonderful job at a lot of that with, with us. There's things that are still, there, there is a better life balance, but as you would know, and I know I've listened to a few of your other podcasts, whether it was um, Dave from Lululemon or Skelton Park and you know some of the other business owners, in the back of your mind, there's always something going on. There's always an email to answer or you're catching up doing stuff at the kitchen table and or just lying there in bed thinking about what needs to be done or, you know, what staffing issues you might have or, you know, wh where's the next client going to come from? So always in the back of your mind. But, yeah, certainly a better life balance yeah. now, 15 years in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it takes a couple trial and error to learn yeah. that because one thing I started doing, especially with COVID, was I just created more boundaries. And, right. like, if I'm going to do emails, I have to set a time in the day where I'm going to do all the emails, bang them all out in one go. Yeah. Right. Then I have a second time like later on in the day, like one's in the morning, one's in the afternoon. Because I found that a lot, especially in the beginning, was I was trying to hit emails in between classes right. and all that. And that's how you start to lose sure. um, some emails. Some members probably, like I probably lost quite a few members just because I never got back to that email just because I missed it. Because the other emails just yeah. got piled on top. You kind of lose it. So I think that's a big thing is like, being an owner-operator takes a little bit of trying to find what works best for you, right? Yeah, that's true. And, I've, and it's taken me a while to figure that I've you know, started to learn to, you know, I schedule this one day off where I kind of tuck myself in the office and catch up on all that kind of accounting and, and emails and, you know, making sure things are getting to our clinic manager and, and do, is there any catch-up with the accountant and, and taking the time to do those things, but also scheduling that time for myself to know that today's the day when I'm going to do my workout in the morning and I'm going to maybe meet some friends after work and go play golf. And, you know, there's less and less activity now as my kids are older, but before it was trying to schedule in and squeeze in, you know, which soccer practice do I run to or which hockey game do I go to? So the life balance thing is a, it's ongoing learning for sure. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, no, and that's my big thing. I'm always interested in how people balance out their schedules, their life, because we all got like, 
personal lives, but we're also busy with work and always trying to grow. Yeah, for sure. That's right. Now, over the years, what have you, what philosophies have changed over the time? Um, and what I mean when it comes to physio. So, like, example would be for me is, like, when I first opened up this gym, I was like, everyone should do weightlifting. Like, right. everyone should learn the snatch and clean and jerk for the athleticism, mobility, strength gains. And, like, those are, that's the, should be the foundation. Everyone should do that. Nowadays, looking back at that, I was like, that, no, that's not for everyone. Because not everyone's going to care about how much they snatch. Or they're just not interested. And especially if some people just want to come in, turn the mind off, sweat, feel good. And just kind of be told what to do. And that's something how I have learned to change my viewpoints of like, really, people just want to come in, have a good time and right. sweat. And it's their workout at the end of the day. I can't impose my love of weightlifting onto other people, but I can guide them through like a great workout and get them to be the best of themselves. Sure. What has changed in some of your philosophies over physio over the years that you're like, yeah, I used to think that, but now I'm a little bit more leaning towards these thoughts yeah my you know it's interesting my initial training i did a lot of postgraduate what's called advanced manual therapy or orthopedic training um you know kind of that hands-on technique and skills and that was a big passion of mine for the first four or five years i worked with a couple of great physios that kind of i mentored through and you know they kind of guided me along the way along with these courses so early on kind of first five six seven years of my career it was just nothing but this manual therapy and we'd make sure you know we did a little remedial exercise but let's get our hands on these people i got into a um i i became a certified sports physiotherapist which involves a lot of on-field coverage and things like that but a lot more exercise-based training and so i had a span of time where i had a lot of people that were working more exercise and i did probably less hands-on treatment and I've kind of evolved over the years, and now I would say it's more of a balance of the two. Um, kind of client-specific, some people need way more exercise and don't mean, need me to put their hand, my hands on them, and vice versa. A lot of people that are already heavily training, doing enough on their own, you know, coming to the gym, you know, we see a lot of really, you know, finely tuned athletes, and so those are the people that maybe need a little more of that hands-on. Um, you know, different things. You know, I think back, you know, about four or five years ago, we took training on, um, I say we, most of our physios took training on intramuscular stimulation or dry needling, and that's been kind of a game changer, you know, where we used to get our hands on and kind of knead and massage and work out knots in these muscles for, you know, five, ten minutes session, and now we use these needles that are kind of like magic, right, just to release trigger points. So there's been, you know, small evolutions that way. Shockwave therapy is something that people might have heard of with, you know, dealing with chronic inflammation, and, you know, it also seems to be something that has really changed our practice so there, there's been certainly an evolution of me personally and then certainly some of the kind of the tools or tricks of the trade that we've been able to to add to the practice as well well especially as the new science comes out there's always new yep. research coming out and do you ever find that like there's almost like a full circle that like things always circle back to what it was like 50 years ago because they say that in strength and conditioning where everyone's like there was a time where like um, like basically people are starting to look back at the, like the fifties, how they strength train in the forties right. and thirties. Cause yeah. they say back then people were actually were stronger on average back then than they are now. Okay. Yeah. But um, it's kind of like a full circle. Do you find that it's the same thing in physio? Like some of the movements that they referred to back in the fifties, they're starting to come back to life. Yeah, I would agree with that. And you know, you see things that have changed in with respect to techniques in manual therapy, et cetera. But at the end of the day, we see, you know, people come and see us because, you know, they have pain or they have dysfunction and they, 
they can't go to the gym and lift a weight or they can't play hockey on the weekend with their buddies or they can't bend over and, you know, pull weeds out of the garden. But at the end of the day, the dysfunction is really kind of broken down and simplified to something doesn't move well and what is that and how do, you know. And so it could be really simple in the, the technique that we need to use to get that shoulder moving or get that particular joint and, you know, somebody's low back lumbar spine moving. So that's kind of the evolution, I think, where, yeah, it comes back to basics and let's just get people moving properly so they can do the things they need to do. Right. So, no, yeah. No. Now, if say for any member coming in, like what is kind of the number one piece of advice that you could give to all like on a general piece of advice that all members coming in? Like what is like one tip that everyone, if you could reach everyone like say in Kingston or like in Canada, yeah. you, you could give them be like, if you guys just start doing this, you're going to see some progress, like whether it's a movement or like a way of eating or. That's, you know, that's, it's a good question. And, you know, as I'm on the spot here and you got me thinking about it, I feel like I'm repeating, but it's, it's just movement. It's just make sure that you're Motion moving. is lotion, Motion right? is lotion, exactly. Make sure you're moving in some fashion every day. You know, whether it is that pickup hockey game or just walking, you know, a kilometer at the end of the day with your dog. Yeah, motion is lotion, absolutely, right? Just keep moving. Yeah, well, yeah. that's what we say around here too is some days, you know, you're just not in the mood to work out, but it's a beautiful day, the sun's shining, just get outside and sure. go for that walk, right? Yeah. There, I know there's that benchmark of 10,000 steps a day. Right. Well, there's some people can hit that just depending on like the work schedules, but we always say, yeah, if as long as you do something every single day. That's right, yep. And just make your body feel better. Yeah, just right? keep moving. Yeah. Um, so we've known each other from, well, we first met, like officially where we started talking was at St. Lawrence. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We're both, we're, um, we're teaching there. Now I yeah. don't teach there now. Right. Yeah. Um, how long have you been teaching there? I started there. Shoot. I forget the exact year. We've been involved with the fitness and health promotion program ever since its inception. And they're going to be upset with me now because I forget what year they started too. And I have to ask them every year. Um, we take a lot of their students on placement at, at the clinic. And I know you do here as well. Um, I filled in on a maternity leave for Sarah Party, and I think it was around 2012 or 13. And, and yeah, that was going to be my guess. I think it started at 2011. Yeah, yeah, teaching something. one of the courses with her, and that's where I first met you. Um, I laughed the other day because I know a former student of mine, Kevin Coffey, was on the podcast and said, well, I remember Bob when he was a professor at St. Lawrence, so I, I don't call myself a professor either. I'm, I'm an instructor. In the yeah, same here. When he called me <laughs> yeah. that, I was like, yeah, yeah, I can't refer to myself as no, a professor. No, that's right. Yeah, instructor in the lab at uh, Fitness and Health Promotion. Um, so that was for a few years, and then I was away for a couple of years doing it. And then over the last three years, even last year during COVID, we ran um, – I share a course with Sarah where she does kind of this lecture format and I'm in the lab with students kind of a couple hours, just, you know, two hours once a week during, you know, fall and winter semester. But it's great. I love it. You know, it's a change from what I do every day, whether it's sitting in the office, as we said, banging out emails or treating clients. So it's it's refreshing. I mean, it's it's fun to see and teach these young kids and it's scary now because I know some of them because they're the same age as my, as my boys. So, yeah. Yeah, and... um. Or just a change of scene too, right? Yeah. And that was my big yeah. thing. I always enjoyed going in there. I just got, um, after about seven years, I just needed a break because it was like the same course. It was awesome. I loved right. it. The students were great. Um, but over time, just had to, Yeah. Yeah. when you teach the same thing, right? Yeah. Now, one, let's 
jump in and talk about COVID because you mentioned that. So mm-hmm. was that all online when you were doing that or were you able to go in person for yeah, COVID? Yeah, I was able to go in person. You know, it was interesting because my course is kind of the, it's, it's a shared course and there's a lecture format. It's kind of an injury prevention and teaching them, you know, what, what's the dysfunction and how do you analyze if a person's moving okay and how does a shoulder move and we teach them how to work on, you, you know, you find how a shoulder moves or how it doesn't move and what exercise can be prescribed to help fix that. Um, you know, a lot of theory behind that particular course, but a lot of hands-on as well. So the college last year made some provisions where certain courses could offer that lab portion, and I was one of them. Um, we had smaller groups. We could only have 10 kids in there and fully masked, of course, and distanced, et cetera. But we made it work. We made it happen, and it was just, you know, I talked the other day about it. I'm in the college again this semester, and you walk through the halls, and it's a fun place to be because there's students bouncing around because a lot of courses are in person. I went in there. I was 8.30 to 12.30 on Wednesdays last year, and I'd walk in at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I was about the only soul in the building, you know, other than a couple of security guys. So it was interesting times, but, the, yeah, the kids were lucky to be able to have a little bit of in-person, and they even commented on that because I think they themselves were a little sick of just sitting behind a screen all day. So Well, they, you learned, I find you learn so much more, right, yeah. when you're in person. And, like, I was never um, the best reading out textbooks. Right, right? yeah. And I don't know about you, but, like, as a teacher, I get way more involved when you're kind of like, people are asking questions. You start jumping in, explaining yeah. things. Like even when I'm coaching the classes here sure. and for those students, like they're just going to get way more um, stimulation just being in person. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The best part for me, you know, I was thinking about when I was teaching yesterday, you know, I show them a couple of little techniques. Okay. Let's break off in partners and try it. The best part of teaching for me is kind of floating around the room and see what they're doing and show them a few things and they'll ask questions and inevitably we get off track because I give them an example from, you know, I just keep thinking about things at work that I've seen over the years. And I go, well, what I've seen before, and you show them a new technique, and then they work on that, and I float around the room. So, yeah, I prefer that much more to just stand in there and kind of throwing out the information on a on a PowerPoint or, or, or talking to them for an hour. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. and, like, it's being really dry. Because I was the same. With, like, you kind of get off focus there. You start explaining more things. Now, the only right. good thing about it, I bet, last year was you are probably able to find parking. Yeah, yes, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah, as, as the only person in the building, for sure. Because yeah. Yeah. every yeah. time you go to St. Lawrence, you're like, I had to plan it out, add another 10 minutes on, yeah. just because either you're parking off-site and you yeah. got to walk in. But Yeah, and this year, you know, the parking is a little more of an issue, and now I still have to leave early because now they have, you know, they've done a great job, too. They have a, a system where you got to check in and do your daily screening online, of course. Um, but they actually have digital passports already showing vaccination status because all the staff and students have to show that. So there's a few more lineups at the door to get in the building, but it's all good. Yeah, well, I, I think it's just part of the COVID protocols now. Yeah. Now, how was that with COVID, with your business, like when it first happened? Because were you? Because I know you guys were able to operate a little bit more. Like, you were you guys shut down right from the beginning? Yeah, we were shut down right away. Um, I always remember St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, we kind of closed the doors. My partner and I, Joy and I, back and forth on the phone and email, what do we do, what do we do? And following the news, and we kind of shut things down for, you know, indeterminate time. We said, you know, I laugh. We said to our staff, well, I guess we'll see you in a few weeks and hope for the best. So, but yeah, we were shut down totally till we reopened um, once the province allowed on June 1st. So it was 11 weeks total for us. So what was your initial thoughts when you shut down? You're like, okay. But like, what was your feeling when you realized this is going to be a little bit more than a couple of weeks? Yeah. I mean, initially it was, it was absolutely, it was fear, right? You know, and as a business owner, your first thought was we got 30 people working for us and what are we going to do to keep this thing running? Right. So we have 30 people that come back and work for us again. Um, I've told the story to a lot of people. I said for the first, you know, first week I thought, 
hey, maybe this doesn't last long. And then all of a sudden the writing was on the wall and we knew this was going to be long term. Um, when I look back on it now, I spent about five weeks, my partner and I, um, you know, looking into some of these government programs, talking to landlords, talking to our accountant, et cetera. What can we do to keep this thing running? Um, so that was about the first five weeks to kind of prep for that. I had about a week in the middle where I just took a deep breath and tried not to worry as much about it. And then truly the last five weeks, once we knew things were going to be okay and once we were aware that things were starting to reopen across the country, we just prepared ourselves so that, it, you know, with all the provisions in place and the new safety protocols and getting things ready, you know, from the physical space itself, we didn't know what the date was going to be. But when they announced it on, and I forget the date, but the Thursday before, Doug Ford said, yeah, you guys can reopen these... Um, you know, these allied regulated health professionals, we said, okay, let's go. We're ready on Monday. So we were ready to open the door and see people again. So it was just a lot of hard work getting that ready just to make sure, you know, we could have everybody back. So, and we were lucky. I mean, we have such a great team. We had people that didn't work for 11 weeks, but everybody came back to work. So, okay. I was yeah. going to ask that, did you lose a lot of staff? No. Cause I think in that time it was, it's just the fear of the unknown. Yeah, right. And absolutely. coming from a business standpoint, because I remember when we shut down, we shut down two days before. Like we had a coaches meeting. Yeah. We sat down, like in the room that we're sitting in right now, the podcast yeah. room. But back then, yeah. we were all sitting on these couches, and the, some of the coaches were like, "I'm not comfortable. Things are getting bad." Yeah. I was like, "Okay, we got shut down." And the first couple of weeks, where I was like, "Like fuck, like how are we like one same yeah. thing as you is like staff? Like I don't know how we're going to pay them." Right. Like. Yeah. Like because we were like. Ours is um, all membership-based, and everyone was canceling because people were like, we don't know what's going on. My husband just got laid off, too, same yeah. thing. And so oh, it was that trickle-down effect. And sure. then you're like, we don't know how long this is going to be. And we don't know what's going to happen from a business standpoint. Like, Because Tara, my wife Tara, yeah. like same thing with the restaurant. They're shut down. We're just like, how are we going to pay our mortgage? Right. right, and it's like oh, all yeah. that is just like we yep. just don't know what's going to go on, and same with the government. No one knew what was going on at the time. That's right. And it was just that fear of unknown. And then after, like what you said was, once you start seeing, well, okay, some of the government rollout programs, you start waiting on that, you start learning, and then like you kind of take a couple deep breaths and be like, okay, this is how we're going to pivot. This is what we're going to do. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and I went on a couple of um, a couple of online sessions. The the Canadian Physiotherapy Association has an orthopedic division and a private practice division, and they were really good, and they were on top of things and every week you'd have clinic owners from across the country and you just get on there and brainstorm and kind of bang heads together and go, what are we going to do to be ready? And what are we going to do with respect to this program? And there was a lot of good information. And we, you know, as much as we were closed for 11 weeks, we were, we had an advantage in that some of the Western provinces, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, they were allowed to reopen a few weeks early. So I would kind of go on these webinars and see what was working for them, what wasn't working. So we felt like we were a little better prepared. You know, and really early on during that, if I go way back to that, you know, that stage of fear of the unknown, you know, there was one clinic owner who got on there one day and he used a sports analogy. And I just, I always remember it. And he said, you know what, this is the time we, we can't sit back and play defense and just wait for all the government to throw all this funding at us. We got to play offense and figure out how do we keep this thing running moving forward. So at that point, yes, we looked into a few government programs, but I said, we got to do everything with respect to having the clinic ready, having the space ready, make sure staff are ready, um, maybe up our game with marketing, which was scary because you think, you know, I'm going to spend money that we don't have coming in to try and let people know that, hey, K-Town Physiotherapy, we're still out here. We just don't know when we're going to open our door again. Well, you um, got to keep that presence, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we did that. And again, you know, tentative at first to do that. But, you know, once I, I just keep thinking about that all the time, play offense and not defense. So that, that was kind of what kept us rolling for sure. 
Well, same here, because um, well, same thing with us. Right off the bat, it's like, okay, here's the plan. We're going to provide online stuff. Do this. Be present. Yeah. Be present. Be present. Because everyone's just sitting at home. And that was sure. my biggest thing was like, we just have to show that we're still here. It's not like we just left everyone hanging, right, with yeah. all the members. Whether they kept the membership going or not, it's just like, we're here for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Looking back at COVID, what was probably the one positive takeaway that you think you can take from that? Because like looking back at five years and be like, Okay, that's what we learned. That was a hopefully we never go through this again. But that was something you're always going to remember from a positive standpoint. Right. Yeah. And the the, the you know a couple of positive things are, you know, just to do a good job and you know and try and be a presence and try and do good things in the community and, and market your business and market the people that work for you. Um, and from a business standpoint, the other thing that was a lesson learned was, um, you know, we had gone through a renovation at our West End clinic and a, and a big move. Um, you know, we had a lot of expenses here and there and we thought, oh, things are fine and financially we'll make this happen. And then all of a sudden we take this hit for 11 weeks when we have still loan payments to make, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, in the words of my accountant and in the words even of my father, who's a, an old banker and is, is the guy that I phone every once in a while for, for business advice or personal advice on, on financial matters, have kind of that safety fund available, right? And we, we probably didn't have that and we're able to still get through things, but from the business standpoint, that's something that I already, as we move forward, I'm looking at thinking, you know, let's hope there's none of this pandemic stuff again, but, you know, if anything does happen, let's make sure there's provisions in place to to keep yourself afloat without worrying about things. Yeah, no, that's great, because one of the big things I've learned from it was, well, one, from a personal level, was be present, Yeah. right? Because, like you said in the beginning, you're so stressed, and then when you said you had to, around week five, I think you said, was yeah. about you had, you had to sit back and take a deep breath. Right. Looking back at that time, I remember Tara and I, there was a lot of times just saying there is like this stress, 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 but it was on nothing that we could control. That's right. And then I had to slap myself across the face a little bit yeah. and be like, focus on what you can't control. And one of them was like, just be present and be there for the members. You can't control that. The government's sure. not um, like not open, lifting restrictions. Um, so to me, it was the biggest thing was like, try and be physically present when I like be mindful of the situation and focus on the things you can control. The other thing is on, from a business standpoint, the same thing as you is just like, it was a great time to really get to know your business inside out. So you actually had time to sit down, like review, like, okay, why are we, um, wasting money on this? Or like, what are some better ways? Like, um, just learn your business so you can create better programs and stuff like that. So we, we, there's a couple things we probably won't bring back right? like into the gym. Like some of it is like our kids program, like um, when we had childcare. Yes. Yeah. Just because um, that gave, I know some parents are probably not going to like this, but they mm-hmm. loved it. But from a business standpoint, it was, it, it was a lot more work. Right. right. And there's some things that we learned from that. Like we had to spend some time and think about like we're actually losing money on doing things like this. So why are we doing it? Yeah. And so from a business standpoint, that's what I've learned. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. You take that, as you said, deeper dive into your business. But one of my first meetings when COVID hit, our accountant said, okay, I want you to project how things are going to look with this loss of revenue over three months, six months, 12 months. You know, and I looked at that and thought that's probably something that should be done annually that I have never done. You know, kind of, it's more of a three month outlook, I guess, and, and short term. So I went ahead and did that and kind of looked at the writing on the wall and went, well, if this thing lasts three months or six months, we'll be okay. And if it went a year, we obviously wouldn't have been. But I try and keep on top of that little three months, six months, 12 months outlook even moving forward now. So, 
yeah, there's a few things you learn about the business that you, you, you might have or maybe should have been doing previously too, so. Well, going back to like our passion was, like you open up the business because you enjoy being a physio so much, right? Yeah. And like if you think about how much time did you spend in school on business, right? Unless you had like right. a minor degree in business, yeah. like you just don't get a lot of teaching in that. No, so that's right. you, you kind of have to be self-taught. Yep. Right? And I use that lockdown time to do a lot of reading. I was doing, like, I signed up for, like, three, four courses. Each lockdown, I signed up for, like, an online course, whether business or more on, like, movements and right. stuff like that. You just use that opportunity to get better. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, so let's switch topics here. So you work yeah, with – enough sk- about COVID, right? Yeah, no, yeah. no. <laughs> um, so you work with Skate Canada now. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, so how long have you been doing that? Like, let's get into, like, how did you get into? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I've done a lot of, with my sport physiotherapy certificate, I've done a lot of sports coverage and still kind of a passion of mine. We do, um, we do work with, uh, with Kingston High Schools, with CASA. We, we cover rugby, we cover football, myself and a bunch of other therapists, not just at our clinic, but therapists throughout town. And when um, you say you cover, like you're on the field yeah, hanging exactly. out. exactly. We're kind of that sideline therapist that, that helps deal with any on-field injuries at that time, yeah. Um, used to do the same thing at St. Lawrence College. They have somebody on staff now, but we used to provide the same service there with, um, they have basketball, soccer, rugby, um, all the varsity sports there. So it, it's something I'd done for a long time. I, I worked for four years in Calgary and I first got into it working with a, what was called the, at that time, a super league in rugby and Calgary had a team um, and it was great rugby. And I've, I've told about a bunch of other therapists that have gotten into sports coverage or athletic therapy. If you can cover rugby, you can cover anything. Cause if you can deal with rugby injuries, there's not much more that you're going to see anywhere else. So no, I totally get that. Cause I played rugby <laughs> yeah, in university right. and all that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that was my first involvement. And interestingly, when I was in Calgary, I think it was around 98 or 99, they had the national figure skating championship there. They put a call out for volunteers, and I thought, well, it's figure skating. It's totally different than the rugby and all this other stuff I cover, but we'll give it a go. So I was there two days providing coverage, just kind of rinkside. And and at that time, you know, the days I was there, nothing happened. So I'm just observing, and you're just there in case something happens. But it was good, and I enjoyed that. And then if we flash forward, um, a lot of people might remember this, 2010 – Kingston hosted what was called Skate Canada International, which is one of what's called a Grand Prix series of events. There's six of these Grand Prix series events across the world, and Canada gets one every year. And I had a contact through Skate Canada, and um, somebody at the city of Kingston contacted me and said, look, they need someone to run kind of the therapy service. Would you be interested? So long story short, we gathered a bunch of therapists, and we made sure we had people there at the event, and we covered it. So I met a few more people from Skate Canada, and about a year later, they said, if we need therapists, because they, they have a roster of therapists that they send, of sports therapists that they send to certain events to provide this coverage, can we add you to the list? Because sometimes we're short. And I said, yeah, absolutely. So from that was later in 2010. The first event I went to, which was uh, amazing, was it was actually a World Junior Figure Skating Championship, and it was in Belarus. So, you know, to be honest, when I first threw my name on the list and say, yeah, I'd be interested, I thought they might call me and say, hey, can you go to Ottawa or can you go to Winnipeg? Yeah, but that, I was thinking that would just be like across Canada, yeah, like make exactly. a little drive. Yeah, didn't realize what I was getting into, but it's it's been awesome. I've done about a dozen trips now, kind of all over the world. So it's it's been a ton of fun. In fact, I just got back Sunday. I was at a small event, which was an Olympic qualifier for one of the Canadian skaters, um, little town called Oberstdorf, Germany, which was was beautiful, and it's it was the first time I've ever been to an event that I've been to already. I was there three years ago as well, so most of the other events have been in different cities across the world. But yeah, it's been great, you know. And it's interesting covering. I told my boys this too: covering rugby, covering football, soccer, 
Um, you know, I did coverage as a, you know, a hockey trainer for my kids growing up playing rep hockey even. You know, you get into those sports and then you go and cover figure skating. But, man, because we're lucky enough that we stand rinkside or we sit rinkside during practices and competition, when it's set, and these are kind of the best of the best, these are the senior athletes that are moving on to Olympics and or junior athletes progressing through the national program, um, to see skating that close at that level, it's super powerful, super athletic. And, and these these kids, I say kids because most of them are early 20, are so strong. So it's it's pretty impressive. It's fun to work with athletes like that. Oh, for sure. You can get to see the preparation, like the warm-up, yeah. like how they get mentally focused yeah. and, and just how much you start to realize how much time they spend into this, like how yeah. important these events are. Yeah, how much time they spend into this event before they perform for, you know, that three-and-a-half-minute skate. Yeah. yeah, hours and hours. Yeah, impressive. Now, what is the probably the coolest city you've been to traveling with Skate Canada? Like your number one spot, you're like, man, that was a beautiful city. I want to go travel there on my own. Yeah, you know, I went to Moscow, so that was awesome because, you know, you get to see a lot of things there that, you know, we've all seen photos of and just to experience Moscow and subway system and the Kremlin and all those things. Um, I spent one trip in Shanghai, China, and that was impressive just to see the sheer size of the city. Because um, there's a lot of skyscrapers in that yeah, city too, right? exactly, yeah. And these trips are funny, you know, because we're busy like when we're at these trips you know we're there six days and it's kind of morning afternoon evening night stuck at the rink you know maybe run back to the hotel you know grab a quick dinner grab a glass of wine hit, hit you know hit the hay sometimes we get a half day here and there to sightsee there's a lot of people that will stick around for a day or two after and spend some time and i haven't yet done that because i'm usually screaming back to get back to work or get back to things going on at home and with family but um yeah, Shanghai was cool, and we, we didn't get to see a lot of it, but we saw a little bit. You know, the one I remember that I really liked, too, was Bordeaux, France, because we were lucky. Um, I'm always traveling with a team doctor, and then they have, you know, what they call a, a team leader, kind of manages the team. And we spent, we were lucky enough, we were close to the rink, so we walked there about 10 minutes instead of riding on a bus for 30, 40 minutes. And in between skaters, we'd go for a coffee here, and we'd go for a great dinner and a glass of red wine at night. And the city say, itself... Yeah, if you like your wine, that oh, would be a yeah. great spot. And it's just one of these classic, beautiful European cities. And so that, that one was kind of memorable, just, you know, smaller than, you know, obviously Moscow, Shanghai, but really neat to see. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing, because yeah. I'm a... Like, I love to travel. And that's where you just learn more about cultures. For sure. Being into them, like, you start... Um, seeing all the different types of food because like you hear about like um like german food try it here like you just think it's like a couple sausages or something but once you're there you like you see how they kind of prepare how totally different it is yeah Um, exactly yeah we're so lucky too because you know we even this last week we sit in a hotel and um the hotel we were at had dinner there every night and we'd sit at a table and you learn culture because you have a couple of skaters from russia and you have a couple of the german skaters and coaches that come and join you and sit down and Thankfully, they all speak English, and you know we converse, and it, it's awesome just to meet people from all over the world, in in different places across the world. It is amazing how many people can speak English. Right? Yeah, I and know. like whenever you meet Europeans, and they're like, they can speak English, and they look at me, and they're yeah. like, you don't know, like I can't speak French, right? No. Even yeah. though we're supposed to be bilingual, I was like, I don't. They're looking at me like I'm an idiot, like aren't you supposed to be able to speak French? I'm like, I know. I know. I didn't do so well in high school at that time. Yeah, I'm the same, Bob. You know, I, I went to, um, I lived out west for a while and didn't do any, they didn't have French in school then. And I came back to Ontario in grade eight and all of a sudden they're like, hey, you got to take French, which I did, but I, I'm certainly far from bilingual. So I'm the same. I've, I've been to two of the skating events in, in France, one in 
one in Bordeaux, one in Grenoble, and that, that's the one where I feel kind of sh ashamed that I don't speak French. You know, you, you have this Canada jacket on, and they assume that you're bilingual, and yeah, and then they revert to English. So it that, is impressive. I mean, it's impressive how many of these athletes, coaches from all over the world do speak English, for sure. Yeah. Actually, that's one of my regrets in life. It's not spending more time in French in high school. Yeah, I yeah, look I back agree. at it, like I tell Tara's kids, because she has three of them, like, Take French seriously. Don't right. just be like, oh, it's whatever. Just get you a D to pass or yep. whatever in grade nine because you don't need to take half that. I was like, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I've learned that lesson multiple <laughs> yeah. times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, anything else new on the horizon for Scott, like with work, Skate Canada, any projects that you're going to be doing coming up? No, nothing new. Um, no more Skate Canada trips as of this year. Usually we do two a year, but this year I just do one. Um yeah, not, nothing new. You know, we, we have a little, you know, a couple of little expansions. We're, we're expanding on the one thing that comes to mind at work. We're expand, expanding at K-Town Physiotherapy, not physically as of yet, but um, we have a pediatric program there that we're kind of marketing now, K-Town Physiotherapy Kids. Uh, one of our physios, Lindsay, who is awesome and been with us for a long time, she's kind of spearheading that. So that's one little project we have on the horizon. But right now it's just getting through this COVID and uh, making sure we still grow. And, and, you know, and interestingly, keep wondering when, um, you, you know, we have the conversation all the time. It, it, I know you deal with spacing here at the gym and we do the same thing at work and we're safe and, you know, we're cleaning and, and clients are spaced out and sometimes we get busy and we're kind of figuring out where we're going to put the next person walking through the door. So we're just preparing for, you know, when this next set of, you know, not lockdowns, but restrictions might change. So... Well, it's a, it's a constant pivot. It keeps you on your toes yeah, with absolutely. all of this stuff. But yeah. um, Changing screening questions, you know, all these things. Yeah, trying to stay on top of all that. Yeah, no, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, one last question. Yeah. If people are going to look you up or what's the best way they can find you? Yeah, um, on our website, um, great, great reps, website. We're really proud of the website, www.ktpt.ca. Um, I, I'm on Twitter a little bit. I'm not much of a Facebook guy, but K-Town Physiotherapy is certainly on Facebook as well, so you can find us there too. Okay. No, that's awesome, Scott. Thank you so much for jumping in on yeah, us. Yeah, thanks, Bob. It's been great. Yeah.